Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. What's up? Ready to go. All right, man. And today it is fight night. That's right. And we're going to be talking about two Star Wars movies today. Yes, that's right. Two uh, Star Wars Episode 3 and Star Wars Episode 8. The Last Jedi, the more controversial one in my opinion. But uh, yeah, we're starting it off with Revenge of the Sith here. So let's give people a little bit of audio to remind them uh, what that one was really all about. dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural is it possible to learn this power not from a jedi the council wants you to report on all the chancellor's dealings that's treason and man uh really really brings back all the memories there i i love i love revenge of the sith uh definitely my favorite star wars movie out of uh how many are there now 10 no 11 there's 11 yeah. 11 and then 12 if you count clone wars uh <laughs> and you know like 14 if you count all the little mini specials holiday special caravan of courage you know all those all of those yeah <laughs> movies too from the late 70s and early 80s but uh Theatrical features, though, there's a lot. Yeah, yep. Man, uh, always, my, always my favorite of the main numbered uh, movies. I think the one that really shows the true colors of Star Wars, uh, the one that always made me uh, the happiest when I, I, I watched it, even though it's like the saddest one. It's, it's, just, it's just a marvel to me, and I was always very pleased uh, with it from a technical standpoint and especially from this story because this one really is like the true space opera uh, film in the whole series. I mean, what are your thoughts on it, Gideon? Yeah, I mean, they're all space operas. This is like the most uh, epic, I think. Like it's got the it's got the broadest scope as far as like crafting a political adventure. But like this is, as opposed to the previous two prequels, like this one has the politics but still includes like a surprising amount of uh, action adventure stuff also um yeah i think the story of this one is probably one of its its strongest points yeah absolutely and i mean the romance between anakin and padme anakin's uh manipulation really coming to fruition uh obi-wan dealing with his padawan that has now become his real best friend and you know practically they they practically are brothers which he kind of says towards the end and just just a truly fantastic film in every regard, in my opinion. The the most, I I think it's the best one. I think it's better than Empire. I think it's better than all the original uh, three films, four, five, and six. I, I I really feel that it is the best Star Wars has, and uh, probably will never be beaten. I mean, with Disney's run of it now, I think Rogue One is the only one that even 
holds up to any of the original six. Uh, but but this one for sure um, definitely takes the cake for me as my as my favorite. Yeah, this is not my favorite. Um, I I still really like it. Um, Empire is my top notch Star Wars. I don't think anything's ever going to beat Empire for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just I mean it's it's part of the original uh, original three, and it just what it does in terms of like just dramatic storytelling. Uh, can't be beaten Mm. um but what this does um is still really impressive this is like my top five i think um but it's definitely the best of the prequels in my opinion yeah i I, it's always a toss-up with me between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith just because i always felt the coolest part of star wars were always these always these grand battles and nothing was a, a bigger battle in in star wars than what you see in like the battle of geonosis Towards the end there, and there yeah, were just it, so many a, cool pieces. It is a cool battle in in Attack of the Clones. That's probably the best part of Attack of the Clones, honestly. In my like, it the whole you said before the romance with Anakin and Padme. I think it's one of the weakest parts of of three, and it is more prevalent in two. Um, not necessarily like the 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 beats of it, but just kind of like the the chemistry and the acting is not not necessarily what you want it to be. Like I, hmm. compared compared to like Han and Leia. I I don't know. The Han and Leia thing always seemed like, well, I mean, it's a great romance. I'm not going to, like, rip on it, but I always preferred the Padme-Anakin one. It always seemed like they were yeah, more. See, that's Like, it's not even comparable to me. Well, like, Anakin and Padme falls flat at every turn, and Han and Leia is, like, is so, uh, the, like, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, like, so it's got such energy the, to it. Like, you never know where it's going next. It's got, like, it's got this raw sort of, like, Here's the difference. Here's the difference. You have Padme and Anakin being the star-crossed lovers with with both of their duties to their people, one being to the Jedi Order because he's essentially a space monk, and the other one being a, a Republic senator and or queen, depending on which uh, movie you're coming into here with her with her background. But she has the duty to her people and to her system and to the galaxy at, at large to kind of serve them unhindered by this. And then Anakin has to deal with the fact that it's against the Jedi code. It's this, it's this forbidden love that he has to keep yeah. hidden. Whereas with, well, I agree with all those things. I'm just like all those things are great. They're 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 doing the work from a story perspective. I'm just saying like the chemistry itself is not necessarily up to par for what it needs to be. Episode one, I think you have a good point with that. Personally, well, I mean, they're I'm, not even really doing it. It's he's it's not even yeah. It's it's, it's like it, ten years old. It's it's or definitely debatable. Um, but I but I always felt with. With Han and Leia, it was more just like the prim and proper girl, even though she's very self-reliant uh, and a very strong female character with Leia, just falling in love with the scoundrel, the, like the first scoundrel she really meets here. And it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't, it always, it always felt just a, a tad bit forced. Like, no, they're... Even even though, you know, the the Leia and Luke brother and sister thing, they always actually had better chemistry, I think. Dude, what? I, I really thought that they did. I mean... Okay, are we... Like, are we talking Star Wars or are we talking Empire? Or, sorry, A New Hope or are we talking Empire? Because, like... We're talking new, all three of those. I always felt that they were like, very... A new, a new Hope, there's not... Re- like, there is some, like, love triangle stuff in there, honestly, between Luke, Han, and Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when they're on the Falcon and Luke's, like... Uh, I care. <laughs> um, but like an empire, like every like single beat in that in that subplot of Han and Leia and 3PO uh, going off and trying to escape from Vader, like there's just such 
tension there that you like there's like half the time she's nagging him and the other half exactly like they hate each other but they don't it's perfect like there's <laughs> they, they're constantly bickering and it's like but you see the subtext there like it's all subtext the entire time and that's it's so great like there's it's like one of the best romances like ever in my opinion I, in empire i always felt like their relationship was much more unhealthy than anakin and padme's where at least before the very climax of episode three, which yeah, definitely so I'm say, you're talking about like episode three. Anything, like. anything before the moment where Anakin is gone, because at, at that point he's already Vader. Yeah. But when, but the Anakin and Padme relationship, I always thought was much more of a pure relationship, and definitely a a, a, a better set up one when you take into consideration maybe Clone Wars as well, uh, whether that be the original. Uh, or the the original Denny Tartakovsky Clone Wars, or the animated one that was on Cartoon Network, you know, I always felt that their relationship was much, much better fleshed out and always just seemed better developed to me. And and almost felt more like a, a kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, much more romantic, more about, you know, them confessing their love to each other in certain ways, more of a traditional tragic romance of the un, unattainable female and 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 so forth like that but uh other than that i also felt that this movie just has some of the best action uh in the entire series by far the best opening to any star wars film ever opening i was surprised on rewatch i watched this on i watched both these on sunday um i was surprised by how like engaging it is for like a i think it's like what 20 30 minutes long the opening yeah Um, while they're trying to while they're trying to rescue the chancellor Chancellor. yep um and it like goes and they go in there and they rescue him and then they have to land the spaceship that's coming down from and yeah landed on and the cruiser onto the onto the runway which is odd because you never really see runways in in star wars but perhaps that's why it's there for that kind of thing yeah but like either way like it's just a very uh engaging action adventure and this whole movie is like surprisingly weaves action throughout its more uh it's political dramatic dialogue stuff that's happening um and it does it really well i think that it has a lot of great action scenes i still think that like um george lucas is somewhat like over relying on uh computer generated effects as opposed to like in the old in the old trilogy like there's this weird thing where you have to rely on practical and like you don't have the ability to go further, but that somehow actually makes it end up looking better. And I feel like here, if he had had, like there's some of that that's positive, right? Where he can like basically put out his entire imagination and you're just yep. like watching it unfold. And it's like all this crazy, insane, huge stuff. And it's just like, like this is just so imaginative and everything. And that's the positive side of computer generated effects. But on the flip side, like the negative side is just like the computer effects at that time weren't like necessarily as developed as they could have been. Um, and so it just ends up looking sometimes not as great as it could have possibly. I argue that's that that last comment about computer effects not being as a, as good as they could have been. ILM has always been top of their field. That's true. So I mean, I'm just saying, like the the, the the time, I don't know. I think they were doing I'm, as good as they could have. Correct. There is no way. There's yeah. no other company that's topping ILM at that. No, point. No, I agree. I'm just saying, like I feel like if they had done a more of a blend, I suppose. Like I just feel like the. The, there's so relying on, C, on CG that, like, there could have been more practical elements implemented. But I feel like, again, this one, I think, looks the best out of the three prequels still. You'd, you'd be surprised at the amount of practical stuff they did for, for those, for the prequels. 
Um, there's a lot of great behind no, the scenes is. stuff. I know. That, I have seen that. that but but I, I, I see what you mean with a lot of the green screens. But at the same time, I, I like the fact that he's able to show what he's seeing in his mind True. as effectively yeah, exactly. as he can. You know, I mean, how would you make Coruscant on a on a? a oh yeah, some of the Coruscant shots in this are like crazy. Yeah, like they're great. They, yeah, they just blew my mind, honestly. Like little little Easter eggs too. If you pay attention, there's a scene where you can see the the Falcon landing in the Senate parking lot kind of building. It's great, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think from a visual standpoint, it's it's a really I think it's solid. I I get what you're saying with some of the CG not holding up, but we also have twenty or not twenty like 15. fifteen to sixteen years of development since then. Yeah, and I mean. With with Avatar and all these other well, great, I was say Avatar, yeah. Avatar is such a great example, but that was again cutting edge at the time, yeah. and that was only seven years after. But I still think it holds up very well. It still feels all in the same universe. It never felt out of place. You know, it, from- it does feel different than the originals, though. Like it's not like the prequels do feel different because mm-hmm. they are they are using more CG elements. Like they don't feel as grounded or in a way. Or is like like the 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 thing with like the empire and how they have like the you know the futuristic but at the same time it's kind of retro vibe well, that, to it. Well, that's always been the the theme. I mean, when you look at Coruscant with the buildings, they're very Art Deco uh, with the ones that Padme lives in and and the Senate buildings and stuff like that and uh, and Palpatine's office and all that stuff is very much akin to that and yeah. a very futurist look from from the Art Deco standpoint. But um, yeah, it. But I think overall, episode three, with what it develops with story, with the romance, with character, with character development, and 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 just seeing the the ultimate showcase of like action in Star Wars, because best opening, awesome action scenes when they're actually showing battles in the Clone Wars, you know, just before Order sixty six or during, you know, the Battle of Kashyyyk, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it it really is just. It blew me away. Like you, you feel more emotions in this one than any other film. You really just, I, I don't know. To me, it, it is the pinnacle of what Star Wars can be. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be giving scores to Episode Three. So stick around, ladies and gentlemen. This one time, I went camping with my parents in a forest. Back when I was maybe like eight or nine, it was amazing. We could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and a creek nearby. I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. And we're back here about to give the scores to Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Gideon, why don't you uh, give us our first category here? All right, first category is first impression. This was the first Star Wars movie I ever actually like saw, and or I guess saw bits and pieces of. I was like four or five uh, when when I or I guess it's the first memories of Star Wars I have of actually seeing it on screen somewhere. I was in Best Buy playing Guitar Hero on those little demo table things, and it was playing next to it. So every once in a while, I'd see, like, the battle uh, between Obi-Wan and Grievous. And so that was that was always my first memory of actual Star Wars film. And uh, my first impressions of this when I watched it were, were just... I was so blown away by everything. It was just so intense, and you feel so sad at the at, in, towards the climax, and it's just... It's just... Uh, 
a, a really low point in the universe of Star Wars yeah. and how, how awful it is to lose these great warriors and monks and people who are really a, a in, connected with the force around them and then the evil rising up and the beginning of the of the Empire here. So you really feel bad. And I, I always was blown away by the whole thing and the whole spectacle of this film. My first impression for this was probably a nine. Uh, you know, I... This was also at a time before I was really into movies that much. You know, like I said, I was like five. <laughs> um, yeah, my score for this depends on how you define the category. Um, like whether it's the first time I watched it or this most recent time watching it. Because mm. if it's like the first time I watched it, I think I gave this like a two. Not a two, a four. Two out of five, four out of ten. Okay. Um, I did not like this the first time I watched it. Um, but like first impression as far as like... My first impression after this most recent rewatch, uh, I'm going to give this like an eight. All right. Um, I do really like this movie. Uh, it has grown on me compared to the other prequels, which have also grown on me, but just not as much. I feel like I just, I just like liking Star Wars movies. <laughs> um, so like even ones that I don't like, I like to go back and like see again. And I feel like I almost always end up liking them more um, just because yeah. I like watching star wars and living in star wars it's a great universe um, man it's a it's regardless one of, the, of their flaws yeah one of the most fantastic fictional universes ever created i mean it's i'm not a big fan of lord of the rings but like there's an argument for lord of the rings and harry potter and yeah i think lord of the, i mean i i know more about like the lord of the rings lore than star wars probably mm. like i just think it's more interesting because it has like a like a creation story and like the entire like history yep bef like before time even began yeah. um and like until after like there's just a lot more going on as the, far as the like range the, is incredible it's like like the four or five billion years to about 140 years after episode episode four no, 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 around i'm there. talking about lord of the rings oh i thought you're no, <laughs> oh, no, sorry yeah and no like yeah lord of the rings has like like a just a broader scope as far as like the cosmic forces that are in control and like what's going on as far as like who Iluvatar is and what he's doing and stuff like that. Whereas Star Wars doesn't have like that. It's got the force, which is not as like defined in terms of like the history of it, like where it came from, where the world began. Um, so, but like I'm, it's comparing apples and oranges in a way mm. because they're doing two different things. Yeah. But I think it is a good comparison to make just because both of those series, you know, have such a, intense lore behind each you know yeah. star wars i'd argue is probably one of the most written about fictional universes ever if not the most you know there's so many comics and books and and video games and 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 you know uh not counting these in the in the legends or expanded universe but like short films that people have made just you know for fun and there's just so much data i mean wikipedia which is yeah, is stocked uh, it, with stuff. It's got like over two hundred thousand pages it's, or something yeah, like that. It's just unbelievable. Well, and now Star Wars has theme parks that are canon. Yeah, uh, don't don't bring that up for me, man. But all right, so so you give it an eight there for your first impression. What's the next category then? Uh, next category is story. Oh man, I think this is this is the best story in Star Wars. Um, just because it's this climax of all these all these things that have built up on both sides of the timetable here in the future and the past of it. This is the one that bridges it all. And and seeing everything play out the way it does and the, the way it's written and just it's just fantastic. Uh I I gotta give this a, a I gotta give it a ten. 
Yeah, I'm deliberating between like an eight and a nine because I think the story is definitely the strongest part of this movie. Um, there are times where it kind of lacks clarity. And let me explain that because like I feel like I understand it now, but like the first time I watched this, I wasn't exactly sure what's going on as far as like, like I think what George Lucas is trying to do is like weave this tale of like the Jedi and Palpatine both trying to manipulate Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like the first time, I guess I just wasn't, picking up on like what is actually going on with the Jedi because like Mace Windu I think is probably like the the figure that's that's kind of standing in as far as like the Jedi not their corruption but the, like their but the traditional their, values of the Jedi yeah and the, and the problems that that problems that that creates yep um and like and how like the Jedi are not good people some of the time <laughs> like they mess up and and screw up like they just do not do the right thing in this movie um, mm-hmm. which The Last Jedi, which we will talk about, um, bit, yeah. comments on. Um, and so I feel like The Last Jedi actually, in a way, like provides clarity to the to this movie, for me at least, mm-hmm. and in the, way, in the way that Luke reflects on these events um, and kind of like says, okay, here's what's actually happening. And, I'm, and so after watching The Last Jedi, coming back to this, it's kind of like, okay, this is an insanely well-crafted like um, narrative narrative and journey for Anakin and like this just the like it's just very complex about what's going on yes like it's not it's not like the the original New Hope is just a is a very simple hero's journey Mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell story that's happening there's not which is great and it's it's what started everything um this one feels like a Greek tragedy like it's yeah yeah, there's just so many different forces happening and just it's just a lot to keep track of yeah um so it's almost like impossible to keep track of on first watch so I feel like on first watch what you focus on is just like all the oh the acting is bad the CGI is bad the whatever like it's just like focusing on these surface elements that aren't really what's actually matters yeah and like those and those things have kind of like either faded to the background for me or I've actually seen merit in them one of the two all right so what would you give this story what's your Um, score for it i kind of want to go with a nine like i just feel like there's just so much so much to chew on here um and it's and it's also again crazy how like how he does this all in a in a quote-unquote kids movie it's not really a kids movie but like (laughs) this is like i think the darkest star wars for sure definitely but like it's still got like these like i watched this with my sister and she was like laughing at a lot of like the little bits like with r2d2 like joking around and like the, yeah the, the droid that comes up and kicks r2 like it's just like there's a lot of yeah. like funny like comical bits the, that happen that that are thrown in there droid that, voices are always interesting too in these movies because yeah. it, it varies by the the group that's running it like because originally you had the trade federation their droids are kind of like these higher pitched like comical voices and then they become a little bit more well depending on Clone Wars or what you're watching, it, it, it just constantly is in, in, oh, I'm sorry, actually it's the reverse. Trade Federation has like darker, uh, meaner sounding voices and the CIS has like these comical voices for their for their battle droids and the B2 super battle droid that kicks R2, I mean, it really, they, they got those like tiny little yeah, it's, voices it's, like this yeah. or something, you know, what that? What you know? that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is what I was thinking of. And it's, it's just really funny. <laughs> At that nothing. It's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> There's always, yeah, and there's so many darn, like, comlink scenes with R2. It's always somebody yeah. yelling, like, him to do a command from, like, somewhere else on a ship, you know, with the Death Star or whatever else. But, um, yeah, he does a great job as comic relief in that. Um, cool. Next category, then, Gideon? Next category is acting. I think it is 
again, and like everybody hates on episode two for the acting. Everybody hates on, you know, episode one for the young Anakin acting. It's like, I've never, I mean, episode one has its issues, sure. Episode two never had problems with me. I think it was always like they needed something to hate. They got rid of Jar Jar and Kid Anakin wasn't there. So people who were still like original trilogy, like purists needed something to hate. So they just jumped on hating on Hayden Christensen's acting on, on, uh, Naboo, but I don't, I never thought it was bad. And then this I think is totally fine. Like I, I never had issues with the acting at all. He's definitely better here than he is in two. Mm. Like a hundred percent better. I think he improves for sure. Um, he's getting, he understands the character more. I mean, he, the other one, it was his first time ever playing that character. This is his second time around. Yeah, I still don't think it's perfect though. Mm. Like they're like like Padme's role in these has just always been so awkward to me. Like where it doesn't feel like it should be awkward, but yeah. it just comes across as awkward, uh, anyways. Yeah. So that's, that's always been like, and that's such an integral part of his of his arc is yeah. his relationship with Padme. So when that part isn't working, it's it's very like like okay. Like this is matters a lot, and it's not quite landing as it as it needs to. Yes, um, that's why it's so integral to watch uh, Clone Wars in conjunction with these, because I, then it I, develops that. Yeah, I mean, way in more. The last season when you've got the those last that part with um, with so in season seven, you're yeah, talking with, the one on Disney Plus. Okay, yeah, with uh, with Anakin and Ahsoka. Yes, um, like, and then I think. Padme shows up there. Padme doesn't show up much in season no, seven. No, she does, but she shows up in a hologram. Yeah, and, and like she's that like part, I felt more already. in that hologram than I did in any like w- between that relationship in that animated hologram than I did in any of the the these movies. Really, yeah. I mean, there, there's always been some extra stuff bridging the gap between the movies to try to add more. Candy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars in 2003 tried to do the same thing, but uh, uh, with the acting, yeah, I I would probably give this. Uh, I, I personally would give it a, a, a nine. Any bad acting that's on the part of maybe uh, Natalie Portman or Hayden Christensen uh, is is reversed because of the great acting with um, Ian McKellen. And, 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 you know... Ian uh, McGregor? Ewan McGregor and then Ian McKellen who played Palpatine. Ian McKellen did not play Palpatine. Oh, I'm sorry, not Ian McKellen. Um, who's the guy who plays Palpatine? I'm it's, trying to... Um, Ian McDiarmid. That's it. Sorry, had the first name, not the last name. No, yeah. I mean, but, he's he's interesting because he's, like, doing the... Uh, like, he's... It's almost like a meme at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot like, of his lines but are, it's, but... It's super enjoyable as that. Yeah. Um. So, like, he, he's kind of one note in a lot of ways because of, like, the memes that have grown up around that. Um. But I still think it's, like, a perfect performance for what it is. Yes. Like it's, it's, it's just really... He's the like, ultimate bad he guy. Just, yeah, he chews, on, he chews on all the scenery and is great. Yeah. Um... And then Ewan McGregor's awesome as Obi-Wan. Like, he's the best performance in the whole movie, um, in my opinion. Uh, and he brings a score up for me. I still, um, I, I think it's definitely Palpatine is my favorite performance in the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but, like, Ewan McGregor has more of, like, the heart to it. Like, he he has more emotion. Behind, like, he has the most emotion. And, per, and like, he, yeah. he's the one who I feel for. Like, especially like when he's talking to Anakin end. at the end. Yes, definitely uh, Before at the, the end. fight starts and then after the fight starts, both of those speeches, or not speeches, mm-hmm. but, like, those monologues that he kind of goes on are... Yes are great like and I, and that's that's part of this movie where i'm like full-on feeling like i'm down for this movie like and I, yeah. I, this is the part that i love the most so what's your score on acting um i think i have to go with the seven just because like i feel like it could have been better <sighs> yeah like like the, the those two performances anakin and padme bring it down palpatine is like a perfect down the line and then you mcgregor brings it up a little bit but i think i'm still gonna land right at a seven okay um look and feel oh man Again, just 
awesome. There is some issues with with the uh, you know green screen slash blue screen, whichever one they were using. Yeah. Um, you know, I I do agree that some of it looks a little dated, which is a bummer because at the time it was the most advanced graphics you could really do with an unlimited budget, practically. Uh, but I still think this was one of the best looking Star Wars movies ever. Uh, holds up very well, especially the opening scene is incredible. Um, I would probably give this, I think, an eight. I think uh, there are, I think sometimes episode two actually is better than this one in certain visual aspects. Yeah, I disagree with that. But but, but I think uh, but I think it was it was still fantastic. There were things that could be improved, uh, parts that it shows, and I can't ignore that, sadly. So. Yeah, I think I have to go with an eight, too, also. Just, like, for the f- sheer fact of, like, the imagination happening on yes. screen here. Like, it's just impossible to deny what's, like... What, Thousands of man hours of really yeah. skilled And it CGI just artists. looks... And it's, like, the one where, like... I feel like the two-in-one also have that imagination on display. But here's the one where... It, three is the one where it, like, gets focused the most. Yes. And is, like, actually used for a, a story purpose the best. Okay. So, yeah. Final category is effect. Oh, this one's the one that hits you in the feels the most, I think. I, I mean, this one for me always was a was a ten. I mean, yeah, with everything that happens in it, it just it. It's not so much for me. Like I feel like I appreciate the story much more so than I am like involved with it. Okay. Um, like I really love the story that happens, but again, like there's just those other elements that like I'm not quite to the point of like full on like weeping over this epic romance and epic tragedy that's happening. Mm. I get chills at the end when Darth Vader starts breathing. Yeah. Um, that's probably the part of, or, and when, and kind of like you feel for Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship too. So those are probably the two parts that I'm uh, being affected the most, but I think I'm going to go with a seven for this also, just okay. because like, it's not quite to the point of like full on like emotion that other Star Wars movies have given me as far as just like elation or, or, or sadness. All right. Then uh, do you have the total scores here? Our total for score for Revenge of the Sith is an 85. Solid. I like that. It's a good score. So where does that put it? That Just puts briefly. it in between The Shining and The Prestige. Nice. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, when we come back, we'll be talking about Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, so stick around. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? Amid the chaos? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, And uh, that was just a little bit of the trailer from The Last Jedi, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, I love that trailer so much, man. Star Wars shows are always great. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what uh, what movie they were for. They're always fantastic. They're always great. I think the art of art of trailers is is a topic all on its own, but yeah, um, that, yeah. and how that's evolved over the years for sure. Um, but yeah, that that... So this film was met with a lot of controversy. Yeah. Uh, I think in the way episode one was hated in the prequels, this one is the one that's most hated out of the sequel trilogy. Um, I I wouldn't, I think nine might be more hated than this. I it depends on who you ask. Like, I feel like the people who hated nine 
and the people who hated eight like basically just flip flopped mm. in a lot of ways. Like you loved eight and then you hated nine, or you hated eight and then you kind of liked nine, maybe. For me, I always thought that seven was by far the worst of the sequel trilogy. Eight was a little bit better, but still not better than any of the original six. And then nine was a little bit better than eight, but still not better than any of the original six. Um, it it just never really uh, never really tickled my fancy here. Uh, there were so many. I think the main flaw of the whole sequel trilogy is just terrible characters. I think they didn't know, and and just rewriting a lot of great legends material that could have been repurposed. And maybe if they had consulted some like seriously hardcore Star Wars fans, they they would have known a little, little bit better what to do with the characters, um, the pre existing ones and. I feel like they just pretty much trashed all the original characters and all the new ones were just terrible, except for maybe the the exception of maybe Poe Dameron. Uh, but outside of him, I can't think of any characters that they introduced that I thought were great. So it's just my little prelude here. But uh, I mean, I'm mostly on the complete opposite side of the spectrum of that because like nine by far is the worst of these three. Like, and it's not even close. Um because nine is the one that like basically is like, hey, remember seven, that movie that you kind of liked and thought was really enjoyable as an action adventure spectacle blockbuster. Yeah, we actually didn't know what we were doing. And here's a crap fire dumpster fest for yep. you. Where <laughs> nothing means anything anymore. Yeah, they well, that's because they also kept like handing these movies off to a different person every time. Well, I mean, that's not the problem, though. The, I don't think that's the problem. The problem. I think the problem was J.J. had a vision, Ryan Johnson had a vision, and and episode nine was trying to pick up the pieces to put these two things together and, I, I and try to... I, I, don't, I don't think that the argument that The Last Jedi retcons The Force Awakens is, like, valid at all. Like, there's almost nothing in this movie that, like, discontinues or chops off or says, we can't do that from The Force Awakens at all. Like, it pretty much picks up on everything that it does and then follows it to a dramatic conclusion. Yeah, but I don't know. I th I think there are a lot of structural things with Episode Eight. Let's just break down the story quickly uh, for yeah. Episode Eight because it's one of the newer ones. A lot of, there's a lot more controversy. Chances are maybe somebody hasn't seen it yet. It takes place like moments after Episode Seven, uh, kind of in the same way Rogue One uh, is it le or leads right up into Episode Four, um, and then it's pretty much just like a chase to. to as the as the yeah, remaining the people of the resistance are trying to escape the first order who are now like hot on their tails right after they took took out star killer base it's a chase it kind of mirrors them. how empire opens when when the empire strikes when the empire strikes back and the empire strikes back and yeah. comes down onto the the rebel base and kind of like kicks them out and then they have to kind of like figure out where to go from there but that one was over a year after it after the after episode 4 i believe it was 1 aby so after battle of yavin yeah. so I mean, it, it takes place quite a while after. It wasn't an immediate, like, thing. Like, after the Death Star was destroyed, yeah, they probably did escape Yavin, but, you know, because they couldn't use that base anymore, but but it it wasn't an immediate chase as far as I, I know, and I might be wrong. There's so much Legends material. But uh, anyways, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially a chase movie, and then there's, like, a B-plot with some of the main characters where they're trying to, like, gather or or trying to come up with a plan to destroy the the super the star destroyer well the, okay so like ray is off with luke training to be a jedi yeah similarly to how luke trying goes to, off the train with yoda in empire and then you've got your two subplots from your 
other two main characters, which are Poe and Finn. So basically, Poe is trying to go off and figure out how to stop the Star Destroyer from tracking them through light speed. Um, and then Finn, or and then Poe is trying to basically help Finn do that, and at the same time having conflict with um, Holdo after Leia gets incapacitated. Yeah, there's so much. Uh. So there's like, there's like, two, there's the thing about this movie is that there's three plots compared to Empire, which only has two that converge at the end. Um, I think the weird thing about that is like, in this movie, it had it's like negatively affects it f- to a certain extent for like the first half, but as soon as it hits like the last half to whenever everyone's kind of like the three plot lines are converging, it just becomes magic to me because like. The it kind of drags because of the so much exposition story work that they have to do for three plot lines, but I think that that ultimately pays off because of what you get with all three converging and and like just the insane stuff that happens as a result of that. Mm. Compared to Empire, which is relatively more simple, even though Empire has its own really interesting structure with its with its subplot. Um, and yeah. Han and Leia escaping from Vader at the same time, which is also going to affect Luke's training as a Jedi because he sees them being hurt, et cetera, and how that works all. I always felt there were, I bet, I mean, in episode eight here, I always felt there were just way too many plot holes with it. Okay. Do um, we have to talk about the plot holes, though? Because, I mean, it's just so somewhat. tired to me, honestly. Like, I just don't like the, the plot hole thing at all, personally. Like, it just is, like, I don't know. Well, other than, I mean, there, there are only a handful, I mean, some people really get into plot holes. Some like, I can I've, argue. There's just people that talk about them for hours and hours and hours on end, and this the, just doesn't the, matter. This is the me. only Star Wars movie I know of that has that many plot holes where you can make yeah, a 45 minute because they're all fantasy movies. They're not sci-fi movies. Like it just. There were certain things I think were a little outlandish. Some people were complaining about early in the beginning. They have the bombs dropping out of the ship. That never bothered me. That's like it's you just know, a, such a stupid that one was, complaint. That wasn't one that bothered me. The one that bothered me is as this pursuit's going on, why don't they just do a, a very small jump into light speed? Just get right in front of them, turn the ships around and kind of flank them from two ends so that they can't just keep moving forwards out of the range of the like the Star Destroyers? Yeah. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Or, you know, literally you have a, you have a, a, a Super Star Destroyer that's 60 miles wide and you're telling me you couldn't just send a whole ton of you know, TIE fighters or yeah. TIE silencers to just take these ships out. I mean, there was like dog fights in it, but these are, this is a very small fleet with very few fighters. Why can't you just, I mean, there, there's got to I mean, be hundreds, thing, like, if not thousands of TIE fighters at the, at the disposal of the first order. Just send them in, take them out. I mean, there's, I mean, you don't see any real bombers in, in the first order, which is very interesting. Uh, but there's there's so many ways that they could have handled I mean, you that. You could do that, but like the movie goes out of its way to explain, okay, here's what's happening. They're in this far of range from us. We're here, and this is how we can. We're going to send out this. We can shoot at them from here, but we can't kill them yet. Like yeah. the, they take, they explain and do the work of saying, okay, here's why we're in this setup, and then you just have from there accept the setup as it is. Yeah, but but I besides that, I also just didn't like how they totally misjudged how to write Luke's character in this. Nope. Uh, you don't you don't think so, huh? No, I think this is even even Mark Hamill thinks they yeah. miswrote him. Okay, I think great. if anybody I, gets the right to say they did the character wrong, I think it's him. I mean, what that's fine. I think that Luke's journey in this is is something that's like one of the most emotionally gripping, uh, like powerful, meaningful uh, character arcs in all of Star Wars. Like what they do with Luke in this movie and like how they how they use him to 
as a as a legend basically they they bring him down to then prop him back up to the level of morality he already was at at the end of 6 so way to bring him down and then put him right back to where he was supposed to be starting at but it's at. not like it's not i mean that's what they did <laughs> hey let's make him a terrible character so then but he's when not, he when okay. he makes the swap to be a good guy once again and to be the hero it seems like oh my gosh like he would have done something like that from the beginning you know okay it, so like star wars has always been about like generational sin right and like the idea that you you've got this this problem inside of you and so luke uh, as someone who succeeded in six and but like it wasn't it was vader that was vader's story right in six like yeah. he's the one who vader luke, anakin was always the chosen one luke was never the right so like one. after six happens luke goes into exile right no after six luke starts training so, jedi right so start training jedi as a result of after tra after training De Jedi, fails Kylo Ren, fails Ben Solo. Yep, tried to, to turn kill to him, which again, but no, he doesn't not try to kill him though. That's what Kylo's first. Like the, this movie does this really interesting thing, where th they have the same event shown from three separate perspectives: one from Luke's perspective, one from Kylo's perspective, and then one that we assume is the truth. Right. So Kylo tells us that he thinks Luke is trying to kill him. Luke says that he went to confront Kylo and Kylo kind of blew everything up. Then we found out the truth is that Luke goes to confront Kylo, looks at his lightsaber, like ignites it in just like a single moment of weakness. Yeah, tried to kill him. But and then no, he, he doesn't then try he to kill him though. He just turns on his lightsaber he, like, and, and, thinks, and thinks, okay, if I could end this now, like it's, I, I just, I just don't like the language tries yeah. to kill him because he doesn't actually it, act on it. Yeah, and it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing. I get it. So but, like- that idea that fail like the idea of failure is all throughout like the this whole movie is about failure and learning to grow past failure um and people say that like kylo ren's whole thing is let the past die kill it if you have to and that's like they see that as some sort of like uh mission statement from the movie itself but like kylo ren is the bad guy like we shouldn't take his words as it like it's like let the past die kill it if you have to is like this twisted version of like growing past failure so like it's not this idea that you have to kill the past to, to to grow past to to an either to detach yourself from it, but you have to look at the past, say, okay, I failed in the past, but I don't have to let the past affect my future necessarily. But the past still exists. I did fail, but I'm able to grow past that. All right, I, I know I've been kind of negative. I I want to end just our our summary here a little bit, or at least one last point that I'm going to make. You can talk afterwards. Two things that this movie does right. Um, one I like. Ryan Johnson's idea to make Ray's background sort of irrelevant, to make who her family is not matter, because he he tried to make it so that essentially she's just trying to figure out who, where her family is. She wants to belong to them, but Kylo points yes. out to her like they were nobodies. It doesn't matter. It's you the are your own person. To attack her as a character, but it's but I think it's a great but it's a great way to do it. To yeah. make it so that not, I mean, not everybody who's special in Star Wars has an incredible lineage. And to, and that was one thing I hated about Nine is that they kind of retconned that thing. Yeah, it's but, so stupid. So I didn't like that. But I but I do think that Episode Eight did that right. I think that. Well, and the thing about that is that, like, that's her character's weakness. Her character is somebody who wants to belong, who wants to feel like she has a bloodline. So the fact that Kylo Ren is saying, you don't come from anywhere, is like the perfect way to say, you are me. Like, you, it's the perfect. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what weakness. you're what you're seeing is the most valubable the thing, thing possible. The yeah, 
and and that's fine. And I think they did a good job with that. But um, I I I think the other great thing about it was the music and the and the visual effects. Yeah. Again, like Star Wars has always been cutting edge. It's ne- there's never been a bad VFX situation at at the era that these movies have come out. All throughout the history of Star Wars, there's never been one that like has bad VFX, other than maybe the Hollywood or the, the the holiday special or something. But we're not yeah. counting those. We're not counting those. I'm talking real theatrical stuff, not TV specials. Yeah. So they've always been uh, top of the line. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so when we come back, we're going to be giving a score for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, Episode Eight. Oh, I'm sorry, Episode Eight. <laughs> <laughs> you got me all riled, man. I, I have so many ideas here. So, all right. So when we come back, we're going to be doing the scores for that. So stick around. Looking for school options for your child? Step Up for Students helps lower income families with just that by awarding scholarships so children can attend the kindergarten through 12th grade school that best meets their learning needs. Step Up for Students also helps children ages 3 through 22 with certain special needs with the Gardner Scholarship. Visit stepupforstudents.org. That's stepupforstudents.org. Every child deserves a chance to succeed. And welcome back to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and Gideon and I here are reviewing Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Uh, we're going to be starting out with our categories now. Gideon, what's our first category? First impression. What do you got? Oh, man, this is tough. I remember sitting in the theater, coming out of it, thinking, well, hey, at least it was better than Seven. Because, uh, in my opinion, Seven is the the single worst Star Wars movie ever made. And um, it's just a bad movie in general to me. But uh, I thought this was a slight improvement on it because it was more action-oriented throughout the film. Uh, got a little preachy, and it kind of destroyed some pre-established characters. But I think the action was what made it better for me than Episode Seven. And I, that's surprising to me, honestly. I feel like seven as like an action spectacle mm, it, is it, better than this. But and that, but that's not that's not judging it as a movie as a whole. I'm just saying, like, I feel like that as an action blockbuster, yeah. seven accomplishes that. But re, but regardless, I still felt that overall, this movie, as far as the characters go, that's always been the biggest flaw. I cannot explain how much I hate the character Finn and Rose and Ray, and uh, I mean. Oh, gosh, what's the commander's name? I can't even... I mean, it's so along Holo? the... Yeah, she's bad. And I, I've just heard so many well-spoken arguments about why they're bad, and I eventually agreed with, with the one... Like, Haldo was, like, the last one. I Like, I could really care less about her character, but after some people broke, broke it down for me why she's bad, I was like, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. But Finn I've always hated throughout these series because he just seems like... His character just doesn't make sense in so many ways, and it still doesn't. And the Rose being kind of like forced into his arc was terrible, and and there and Snoke was kind of just like the worst bad guy in any movie I've ever seen. And there's just you know so much like that that's just it doesn't it doesn't work. And the only thing that made this better than Episode Seven for me because it shares all of the issues that Episode Seven had with bad characters. Um, was the action, and I felt this one was more action oriented. It was it was better set on that, and uh, I think I would maybe give this movie for first impression a five. I d- I mean I don't think I would go any lower than that, but I mean, it's I, not terrible. It's right. I mean it was still a spectacle to watch. It's like watching you know a, a bad Marvel movie or something. You know you you go to the theater. You, you it's just. You're there to turn your brain off for a few hours, you know, uh, but... I mean, I don't think this movie is interested in turning your brain off whatsoever. 
Um, I feel like this movie has some really interesting things to say as far as his character could just go. Um, as far as like Finn goes, I feel like he is probably the weakest part of this movie. He's the weakest part of this whole um, trilogy. Just because his arc is the least dynamic, because he kind of is going, well, Poe is going from like hero who needs to learn that he can't just use explosives to, to win the fight day and has to realize how to actually strategize and become a leader. Rey is becoming someone who needs to realize her place in the galaxy and become a stable Jedi between the dark and the light. Finn is like stuck in this weird place where at the beginning of the movie, he is not part of the resistance. He's really only interested in saving Rey. So he's kind of got to go from interested in Rey and self-sufficiency to becoming a part of the resistance, right? Um, but it's not exactly... Yeah, he's a traitor. He's a traitor to both sides, which is the funniest thing ever. Right. He, so he like, literally, he, he runs away from the First Order, and then right after he did that and established himself in this new rebellion... But he, the, like, that's the problem. He though. tries like, to not, run away from that it's immediately. It's not clear that he's a not established as part of the new rebellion. Like, he's 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 only ever been, like, interested in, in his in his self, really. So, like, his his whole thing is going in, in Force Awakens is going from away from the First Order... And that's kind of his whole thing. Whereas here, he needs to go from self-interested to becoming a rebel. I would love to spend a whole episode talking to you about the one character, Finn, from Star Wars. But we got to keep going here on the yeah. stories. So what are your first impression stories on that? I love this movie when I first watched it. And I still love it today. Um, I think like this is like a 9 for me uh, overall. Um, I think I probably gave this a 10 when it first came out. But like my rating scale has changed and stuff. Whatever. 9 is what I'm giving this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just think, like. I, I mean, I know you love of, it, but I just, I'm just, that just shocks me. That just shocks me. Why? It just, I don't know. It just does. Uh, anyways, um, story is next category. Mm. Wow. Uh, this one, oh, man. If this encompasses the stories of the characters around it, I don't know if that falls more into the acting category of this, or if it falls more into the story. That that's if if. I mean, the it depends on what you're talking about. Like, I feel like the story is just is the the structure, the plot, characters as they then, relate to the then plot. Then I give this a, then I give this a, a four. Okay. I mean, it wasn't a, at least it wasn't a rehash of another movie that already exists in there in the universe of this. It wasn't a copy, which pretty much was all of Episode Seven. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four. But there's like. The only redeemable things are like some of maybe the conflict with Poe, but the the writing with most of the characters is just god awful. Uh, I think that structurally, this is a really fascinating movie because it's got this again three pronged structure where you've got Ray and she's being influenced by both Luke and then Kylo. And then you've got Poe being affected by Holdo and Leia. And then you got Finn being affected by both DJ and Rose and kind of the way that those nine characters kind of evolve throughout the course of the story um, and then interact with each other. Like, it's just a very well put together structure. If anything, the story suffers from, I think it's like pacing. I think that's honestly the reason yeah. why many people just in general came away from this, like not liking it. I feel like people are very bad at this maybe this is going to come across as like preachy, but like I think people in general are just bad at like assessing what they in fact didn't like about a movie. Um, okay. And I think the reason why is like they, they try to put it on plot holes, whatever. I think the real reason is because of pacing and it's just somewhat slower paced in the first half. And like 
and when it's slower paced, you're trying to focus on other things rather than the characters. That's actually what happened. That's just just a general thought. I don't know. If Knock that's true my or not. story down to three, please, because the whole okay. contradiction with Snoke being the bad guy was another issue I had. So that that was it. But three's three's where it lands. Um, all right, where are you? So where are you ending with? Uh, yeah. So three? I just think like, um, the first half of this, it's just got a lot to set up, and it's and it, so it becomes just overwhelming to a certain extent, mm. and it doesn't become the fun action adventure that Seven was, um, and kind of doesn't have the the propulsive energy that it necessarily could. Uh, just as a result of all the stuff that has to set up. But then, like I said before, like it eventually gets to the point where all that stuff becomes necessary and comes back in. So it's like, it's this thing where it's like, it's necessary, but it's not done as well as it possibly could have been. So I'm going to give this a nine. Okay. Or, yeah. Okay. Wow. And like I said, Luke's journey and everything is like, yeah. it's just like, it's just you like top a lot of aspects of it. Yeah. Okay. Next um, category. Acting is next category. Oh, man. See, this is an issue. A lot... I, I, I can respect every single actor in this for their actual skill at, in their profession. Yeah. I just cannot respect the way that all of these characters were written and the way that their arcs are, and, and that's what I, I can't stand about that. I mean, Mark Hamill's a legend. Uh, you know, uh, Adam Driver's fantastic in everything I've seen him yeah. in, and Star Wars is, is good too. It's just the, their characters are badly written. Okay, but why though? Like you keep saying they're badly written, but I don't understand. Like because why. every single one of them has contradictions with with what would actually be going on. Every single one of them doesn't stick yeah, with, but like, with. That feels like taking the movie as far as like what you want it to be, not what Ray. It's Ray is literally doing. the definition of a Mary Sue character. Okay, but like Poe is one okay. note. Finn doesn't make sense in any way, shape, or form okay, at any point like in specific. his story. That's all just like, okay, it's, but it's not, doesn't make that's sense. That's why. That's not like and, why. Uh, Luke goes it goes back on pretty much everything that four, five, and six established. And and his character well, I mean, just falls apart. Even seven, have passed it doesn't. Six. It doesn't matter. Like, there's it, time for a character to change from when that the, when there, six stops. I have so much to say about this, but I don't have started. enough time for this. Acting, I give it a I give it a five because it's terribly written characters, but the actors are doing everything they can with these characters. Rose is another bad one too because the whole thing with her right at the end should let Finn sacrifice himself. That was ridiculous and get that character just out of the story, and that would have saved everybody a lot of trouble. Uh... Yeah, um, I give it a five because it's good acting, bad written, badly written characters. Yeah, acting for me, I think Mark Hamill's performance here is like something else. Yeah, he's fantastic. As as he's what, in yeah. best, fantastic and in everything I've seen. Adam Driver too. Those, those two are probably the best performances of the movie. I think Ray is doing really or, or uh, Daisy really is doing really interesting things here. Um, again, like I feel like. Like I, the more I think about it, the more Finn is the weakest part of this movie. Because like even John Boyega's, I'm not saying it's bad. Like because like I think I, that's where the, that's where the 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 pacing thing comes in. Like it's not that it's bad. It's just that like compared to everything else, it just drags it backwards. Um, but like as far as like having a structural like purpose, it still it has a structural purpose and it's there for a reason. It just again isn't is what it needs to be. But like even John Boyega's performance here isn't like doesn't have the same energy that he had in the force awakens yeah. he's a good um, actor i just don't think no, no, no. i think I, his character sure love him and i really like i really like the character of poe in in seven i feel like i like this character of poe characters uh poe is probably uh, sorry not poe finn is probably the one that i liked more in seven out of anybody than in, in eight because i feel like i like everybody else in eight more than i except for except for finn mm. um overall though fracting i think this is an eight okay um look and feel is our next category this one's probably its strongest category just because 
John Williams still doing the score, I believe. Uh, visual effects are great. Um, overall, no issues with how it looks. Uh, Star Wars has always looked great. Um, great soundtrack, great audio mixing, everything. Uh, so this would probably be, I mean, again, not the best score ever written for this. And some of the visuals, they made questionable decisions on how certain things in the story function. But uh, I would say probably an eight for this. Okay. Um, Some of the original designs are kind of weird to me too. That didn't really work super well. But I think I'm going to go with a nine for look and feel. If only because like the way that Ryan Johnson moves the camera is just has such purpose behind it. And and the visual, like the way he uses red in this movie, um, kind of like this this visceral, yeah. uh, violent imagery that he uses with with the reds and uh, in the both throne in the room, throne room as well as on crate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, just very good very effects there. Very evocative um, of of what's happening. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I like do, some I of do the like some that. of the best blockbuster like imagery as far as like thematic uh, storytelling goes that I've really ever seen. Um, yeah. So I think nine for me for look and feel. Our final category is effect. After watching this, I didn't. Uh, I mean, after watching it, like I've, I've watched it, I think two, maybe three times, and after every time I've watched it, it's just it. You know, the spectacles kind of die down and certain parts parts I still kind of like and certain parts I, I just totally despise. Um I just I just think most of the issues with these with this whole trilogy could have been done by just better writing of characters. Um I I, I like I said, I felt a little better about this movie than I did with seven, but then nine is better than this, so I don't know. I, I think I'm just gonna give this a, a four. I mean, I wasn't expecting much or seven already. By the time I was, I had watched this, I had, I had hated seven. <laughs> so it's like the, the, I just knew that there wasn't much they could do with this trilogy from how bad the groundwork was already. So I, yeah. I wasn't going into it with a lot of high expectations, but it was just a spectacle that was cool. Maybe one time. Yeah. If, if you're judging this for me, like the first time I watched this, this is like a 10 times a bazillion like the first time I watched it, You're I blown away. everything about it. Yeah. Um, just because it's like it, it, like it's very intended to craft an experience as far as like um, just the the character turns and the reveals and the action and everything. Um, but then once you've already experienced that, I feel like just the the experience of it is just lessened slightly. Um, uh, and unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things where it's a movie that's not necessarily designed to to grow on you as time goes by necessarily, which I've kind of found a little bit unfortunate. Um, like it just doesn't have the visceral response. And like, so when a movie has that high of a response to start with, it's almost inevitably going to drop no matter how much, um, interesting thematic or character stuff you're going to find on rewatches. So I don't know how I want to grade this because like, it's probably like an eight now compared to a 10 on first watch. So I think I'm just going to go in the middle and be nine. fair with a nine. Okay. I think that's just the best way to do it. So then what are our total scores here for Star Wars episode eight? All right. Overall, this is a 69, which puts it in between uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and the first one and Joker, which also scored a 69. All right. Uh, cool. Um, so that, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting uh, store there. I thought it would be ending up a little lower. I didn't think you would like it that much. Um, but 
Yeah. I mean, I try to be as fair as possible with my scores, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. You like it. This is like your your second yeah. other than Empire. So, I mean, that's why we talked about it, because you knew that there was going to be, like, a difference between us. But thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh. Your home this has for the been best in jazz, and screen. Talk, sports, alternative. Uh, this has been Script Screen, and uh, we will see you next week.